Hey guys, this is Jill and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Kings podcast. This week I have the hosts of Cowboy Talk Spaces, Megalude, Daily Sabonis, and John Catterson. And then John also is the host of the Royal Review podcast. Let's get started. I'm Megaloo on Twitter. I got together with these guys after you sort of started up the Twitter fan spaces for Sacramento Kings. And, and we've formed like a regular group and we do them after almost every game if we can. Um, and they're just an open forum for fans to come in and kind of say whatever they want to say, which I think we all love. Um, and then I also host a, an NBA book club. Uh, that John and I regularly go to every month and we just we just sort of run through whatever books we think are pertinent either to the Sacramento fan base or just basketball in general and I'm just a Sacramento Kings fan. My name is John Catterson. I'm a uh... My that's my that's my display name on Twitter too, but um, my handle is Catter J one two, and I host a podcast on the Kings. I told most of the guests that come on that the reason I have a podcast on the Kings is so I can talk about the Kings for an hour with for one week each week with someone new every week about the Kings, and uh, it's called Rare Review. And I'm also part of the Cabot Talk Twitter Spaces that uh, Daily and Megalu are also part of. I did want to take a little time. Did not tell my origin story as a Kings fan, but the origin story that I remember from Cabell Talk, um, I don't think, I think everyone has probably a different story for how it started. But it really started with Jill. Um, you know, I think you were adopting what the Raptors fans were doing in preseason and uh, started a, uh, started a spaces for fans. You know, like basically the distinctive feature, I think, of our Cabell Talk is that we're open forum. So anyone can come up and talk if you want to talk. If you're respectful, essentially, you can talk. And so feel free to check it out after the games when we have our spaces. But I went to those and those were fun. And then uh, those faded away after a while, after, after, a few, after a few games into the season, probably like 10 or 12 or so, they faded away. And I was kind of, you know... Sad, but uh, <laughs> and then I saw Megalu host a space, and Davis Bonus was in there, and I went in there, and we had we had fun. So I, eventually, I started to invite by DM, and so I invited Davis Bonus, I invited Megalu, I invited other people, and um, there was probably about well, I don't know, maybe like fifteen people. The first one, and that kind of was actually functional and uh it kind of took up after that and grew from there and we do it after every game now so feel free to check it out if you're listening to this i know you guys had over like over 70 in the last one gone up yeah i think it's contingent upon when the kings are either making moves or if they're winning i think when they win more people join uh or when a big trade happens our friend elizabeth had one uh right after the halliburton trade and she had like I think 1500 like it was crazy because everybody wanted to tune in and see what that was about and watch the fire burn as everyone panicked right so yeah so I wanted to join with uh, John and, and and Meg in spaces because after hearing them they would call in to Deuce and Mo as well or I would hear John uh, call in to I think the King's Herald and uh, I said to myself okay these sound like responsible people you can't just do it with anybody there's a lot of toxic fans out there I feel and um, I felt like they were fairly positive and had something to say so yeah I, I thought uh, what better partners to have than these two and the rest is history and uh, yeah we enjoy it a lot we, we like our little community that we've created and uh, yeah it's neat and I'll have uh, a teaser on Tuesday and a full announcement on Thursday so uh, I do have some things cooking and uh, it's exciting be sure to tune in <laughs> um, no I, I love that you guys picked it back up it it did I think it fizzled like I stopped doing it in somewhere in November. It just got a lot. And honestly, 
because I didn't cut it off, I was going till like one o'clock on some of the nights and I was just like, I can't do it anymore because we had people from like across the pond joining in. And I love that it just gave a space for people that wanted to kind of vent or just um, get it out. But it is a really cool platform feature that they've that they've offered and given a space to because and I will say that for the most part Kings fans that hop on are pretty respectful compared to some of the other ones that um some of the other fan base ones that I will hop on and listen to like you said to watch things burn because um it can get pretty toxic and and ugly so for everyone that does join in between your guys's and then do some mo when they do theirs for the most part, everyone has a good time because at the end of the day, it's been so long. We all just want to see it turn around. Like, right. It's the fact that that many people are still tuning in and watching games and talking about it and giving ideas. It's end of the day. We all want the same thing. So I do love that you guys kept that going and, and kind of created your own niche in it too. So kudos to you guys for that. First question we're going to go with today is I just want to get your general overview thoughts on the summer, whether it be Monty, Keegan, Coach Brown, the trade for Herder, Monk, free agency, like anything involving the summer as a whole. Um, well, I'll start. And I just recall, like, as soon as the season ended, I, I just felt like the Kings had so many holes. And of course, the coach being the main uh, issue with the Kings. So yeah, I, and I don't mean to go down the timeline, but that's just how I think in sequence. So it's like, yeah, May 9th, Mike Brown gets hired. And that was the main thing. And I was super excited. Now, I will admit that I did want the hotshot assistant, whoever that may be. But then after thinking about it. And then after uh, your Twitter post, along with uh, Drew and King's Film Room, after everybody just started analyzing Mike Brown and you started thinking about it, it's like, well, we have experience and we have, and I think the main thing that got me and it got uh, most of us was the fact that he was a total basketball nerd, detail-oriented guy. And, and, you know, I was thinking, well, everyone grows. And so he was still successful. He just hasn't won a championship yet. Right. And so let his third tenure as a coach be the one where he finally gets it together. You never know. And I think this may be it for him as far as really uh, knowing what he's doing and pull all of his experiences to become the best coach that he can be. And then we drafted Keegan, who I wanted. And I was super excited. Um, I think good draft picks are are basically everything bagels, right? It, it, they could do so many skills, which he can. And we'll get on him later as because I'm sure we're going to talk about Summer League. And so there were still holes in our roster. But then we got uh, Kevin Herter and Malik Monk. And I was elated because we know uh, about their shooting and how they perform on the basketball court. So then everything got better. And then, of course... We get to KZ, Chima, and Deladova, and it's like, if there is a hole in a roster that I was concerned about, it was the fact that we don't have vertical threats and or people who are twitchy and athletic that could guard the perimeter, and now we finally have them. And they proved it in Summer League, and I know a lot of people doubted uh, KZ and Chima, but I think after a few games, everybody kind of chilled on, oh no, Keegan should start, right? So yeah, I felt really good about what they did. I feel like Monty built a hell of a shark tank along with uh, Mike Brown's guidance for a training camp. So yeah, I feel like they're battle tested now in a way. I think my favorite move is probably just Mike Brown and then how much he has like empowered his entire staff, how much we've heard about them all going out and satelliting to each and every player, make, you know, checking in, making, you know, 
making sure they're comfortable when they get here, calling guys before he was even the actual coach, like calling Chima and saying, hey, I think I might have a spot for you. Like, I think you can help us. Like, so I think that level of like empowerment and, you know, of his assistants, number one, and then number two of the players, I think is probably what's most exciting to me. But just like Daly said, I'm very excited to have length, shooting, twitchiness, and more defense. And I think seeing the summer league games, even though a couple of them were kind of ugly, we still managed to like pull out wins and the ugly ones more with like defense than with just pure shooting. So, so that's exciting to me. Well, I, uh, was more in favor of at the, at the beginning of I think it was Darvin Hamill, Hardy, and Charles Lee were the candidates. Uh, I may have that wrong, but um, and I would like to have seen Sam Cassell be a candidate, but basically because of what Joe was talking about earlier this season. But um, I understand, I understand what they're going for. There, you know, they gotta, they gotta, um, the Kings ownership and management can't be taking a, a flyer on someone who's promising in the coaching. They gotta go with someone established. So it was between Mike Brown, um, Steve Clifford, and Mark Jackson. Jackson just comes with too much uh, stuff in the, ba- in, the, in, in the baggage, I guess I would say. you know, Clifford and Brown, either one was fine with me because they brought defense. Either one was going to bring defense. I knew Clifford was going to bring defense. And, and getting to know Brown, you know, as a fan, um, he's, uh, he's good for the Kings. You know, he's, he seems he's – I like this detail-oriented. I'm not so sure about this offense where we're going to – conceptual basketball, but it makes sense of what he said. You know, he said – and I'm definitely paraphrasing, but he said that um, if you have a play, essentially, and you call a play, the other team's going to scout it, and they're going to scout that play and know what you're doing and counter it. So uh, to make conceptual basketball without plays is what they're trying to get towards. So I like that. Um, I'll go ahead and uh, not try to like change history and say that I was basically from a place of not knowing that much. I was in favor of drafting Jaden Ivey. I'll admit that too. You know, I didn't know that much. I just knew that on the consensus big boards, he was slightly above Keegan Murray. And um, and we both, we had a hole at shooting guard as well back then, you know. We had Dante DiVincenzo, which turned out he goes, he was we gave him up, but um, we, re- we released his restricted rights. But, um, you know, we had a, a hole at shooting guard as well as a hole at power forward. And, uh, but we drafted Keegan Murray and, um, he has been great. You know, I can't, I can't deny that he's been awesome. And I'm just wondering how much he can do now, you know? And I'm also wondering, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of silly to say this about our, any rookie because most rookies don't really contribute to winning. I've been told, but, um, how much can he raise the ceiling of the team? Cause movement shooting check, you know, I think we all know he's a movement shooter and we saw that from summer league at least. Can he defend? Can he, can he, can, he can defend fours. Can he defend threes? We saw him run seven pick and rolls in uh in the Laker game, you know, first Laker game. King's film room saw that. So can he run pick and rolls? Uh, can he distribute well? You know, what's his ceiling? It seems seems like he can't spot the ceiling just yet. So it keeps going up. So I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how much he can raise the ceiling of this whole team. Yeah, and it's and it's almost like too, besides what he can unlock within himself, but what can his play unlock and possibly other players like Fox? Does it having that another extender out there, you know, does it make his life easier? Like, you know, Sabonis makes his life easier. So I know, I think it was James Ham on with uh, D'Lo and KC today. He made a, a comment about where if KZ's in there and he's doing his job on defense and is taking that load off of the other guys, can they then 
help him by kind of taking off some of the offensive load and and vice versa. So I think the same thing with with Keegan, not only can are we seeing that he can kind of is a jack of all trades, but what can he unlock from your your stars essentially of of your team that you currently have. So I think that's going to be exciting to watch too, besides just what he can do, but how he can affect um, the other players as well. Yeah, and that's another thing about this roster that Monty and Mike Brown have constructed is that this is the first time in a long time that we're not expecting our roster, our our rookie, to be the savior. It's like we're going to develop him slowly, even though I think he's going to play his way into 25 minutes or more a game just because he has no nerves at all and he plays like a five-year vet, right? And so it's a wonderful thing to have and and so when I'm doing my projections or what this team could do I don't even consider Keegan just because he's going to be doing great things on his own and and everything else he does for the team is just going to be icing on the cake right there's going to be no pressure on him at all I think that's great for his career well said yeah I like Herter uh, as a player of course but I also like um, as far as trading that pick you know um, I like that Herter I believe was starting his second deal this year, or at least this is his second year of his deal. But I'm pretty sure he's starting his second deal. So he's got like four years left on his deal, right? So 465, I believe it is. Okay. I think last year was his, he signed it last year, which means I, it goes into effect this season. Like it didn't go into effect last year, I think, but it goes into effect this year. I think you're right. I was just looking up Kevin's contract. I was just going to just say to you that like along with the coaching appreciation, I think the scheme has really stood out to me because the first couple games where Keegan was in and he did look like a savior in some ways, like it was like, holy crap. I mean, somebody put the stats out and he shot like 70% from three (laughs) like I know he didn't play all the games but it was like oh my gosh this guy's a miracle um but then he was out and yes we had ugly games but there was still a scheme for other guys to fit into so to me that's another exciting part is it's not just it's not just the guys having to star every single time it's going to be what they're supposed to be doing where they're playing in the scheme yeah, I think it kind of gave um, Terrence Davis a little bit, him being out. We kind of got to see him go in more. And I think it was a good reminder because he was playing so well before he got hurt um, last season. And he kind of became that microwave again uh, this preseason. So I think it was good for him to get some run just because we're still not sure exactly what uh, rotation wise. And even Brown said those 10, he could, you know, the last three, he could mix in depending on matchups and things like that. So I think it was good that those guys did get some more run that they might not have gotten had he not been out too. And and it'll be a good test these first couple of games because I, I don't think he'll be here on Wednesday. I would imagine not. At yeah, this point. I, I don't think so either. It doesn't sound like it. All right, just for the record, um, Kevin's contract starts this year, 14 mil, then next year, 15, up and up and up. And then he's a free agent in 2026. Love that. Yeah. And with so many of the deals that were being signed, his 65 million seems like an absolute steal. Yeah, um, it really does. With some of these contracts that are going they out. They just signed, like the Hawks just signed DeAndre Hunter to like a four-year 90. 95, which... To me, Kevin was more of an integral part of their, I mean, I get DeAndre's younger, et cetera, but you're bringing in Kevin as like a vet 
length, defense, chill vibes, you know, obsessive compulsive about the trick shot. <laughs> what more can you ask for? <laughs> but yeah, he kind of had to be that player with Atlanta too, that jack of all trades player. He was asked to play point guard. Um, yeah. When when Bogey would go out, he was, you know, having to play uh, the two. And then when Trey was out, he was playing the one. And then when Hunter was out, he was playing the three. So he was having to do so many different things. And so, yeah, I, I do think that, yeah, that's going to end up going down as one of the best moves that, that Bonnie has made by far. What are your guys' thoughts on the final roster? Um, and did anything surprise you throughout the process? Do you have any preferences on kind of what any Stockton uh, Kings players that that they could possibly go after? I know they have to do the draft and all that stuff, but um, when it comes to to free agency for some of those other ones, I think they might still be able to try and grab some of them. So depending on if they what kind of contract they had, if they had a G League contract before, I know there's all kinds of weird rules about it, but there's anyone that you're keeping an eye on that you'd like to see them go after throw it out there but um other than that if you want to give your your thoughts on how the kings played out their final roster spots meg i'll have you go first but i just want to say that i, I really do want to see kata and and keon ellis by the time we uh, get into the playoffs i think they'll help us tremendously and um it's it'll be exciting to watch them grow as the year goes on but meg go ahead and uh, take this question first yeah, I mean, I'm really happy with the guys we kept. I think those probably would have been my choice as well. Obviously, I'm not in the actual room with them, you know, and like, I think Chima's interviews were really illuminating where he said they did like some scripted, they did, they did uh, just like pick up basketball and then they did some scripted kind of events and then they did drills and he was kind of having some troubles with the scripted events, but watched film with Jordy and Mike and was able to like kind of accelerate his understanding of um, the game. And so I'm really happy with the guys we kept. I, the first night that Delhi played in the space, we had just like a total Aussie fest in there of people just like, ah, you know, they were so hyped on the Outback Jesus and just so excited to see him playing again. So I'm happy for that level of vibes. And um, and then Casey has been tremendous in my view. I really, really thought Sam was good too. I think he he was, I he kept getting put like at the end of the roster whenever people would talk about it. But I, I thought he's somebody that I would try and keep in the system if I could. Um, and I know he's more complicated because he was not given an exhibit 10 and whatever like complications there are with that. But I definitely think he's like a solid player and I could see someone like the Warriors picking him up off the dust pile too. So for me, I, I feel like we kept the highest vibe guys. I'm with that. Love it. Um, yeah, those would have been my picks too. I mean, for me, I, I just look at this roster and it's like, where are the holes? I don't see any. Um, and I know there are people out there, oh, it's like, well, you don't have a superstar. Well, stars are made. And I think we'll definitely have stars if we make the playoffs. And then because of that, then they're going to recognize our best players as stars, right? So we have long-range threats now. We have mid-range and, and people who could self-create. We have rim pressure now. And also, it's like, and I know people wanted to trade 
uh, Barnes and Rashawn all summer. They're, they were rumored to be traded. But it's like with Rashawn, he's uh, one of our few vertical threats. And then we all know what Barnes can do. And, and I, I just don't think you could find 40% three-point shooters anywhere, especially because he could actually be like a third option hub where he could pass. He defends at least, you know, he's a plus defender to a point, right? He can't necessarily defend uh, quicker threes, but he does a good job for what he does. And I think in a, in a defined role, I think he's going to be huge for us. But yeah, with Chima and KZ and then Keegan and Monk, we, we're, we have vertical threats now. So it's like there are no holes in this roster. Uh, we just need to see them in the playoffs to see who's going to take us to the next level. And I still and um, I still believe in Fox. And rest in power, uh, Jonathan Charks, he said on a podcast uh, during Summer League, he said, I wish I could have somebody believe in me like the Kings believe in De'Aaron Fox. And I love that quote. And I still believe in him as a Fox truther, as they say. And and we're going to find out. I, I think we should give him two years because we finally did right by him and built around him properly. He now has a coach who's a teacher that's going to teach him the finer points of the game to improve his game uh, overall. So I'm super excited. So, yeah, I, I, I like like this roster a lot okay well i took that to mean um talking about um kind of the guys towards the end um so that's what i uh that, and, and just as a whole yeah as a whole so okay towards okay. the end and then as a whole okay i can incorporate one more thing in there for sure and uh but i expected sam merrill to be cut it was kind of too bad in my opinion because he seemed like as i saw other people say on twitter he seemed like he was trying to fit into the game plan every time he played he was trying to fit into the system that they were running which wasn't the sam merrill show it was the king show you know so like he was trying to pass the ball when he wasn't wide open he to a guy that was more open than he was you know and he he, he was uh he seems to be a good team player, and it's kind of sad that he had to go. But um, there's only 15 spots plus the two ways, so it may it kind of made sense, but it was just uh, too bad, I guess. Uh, Baysmore, um, he looked good in the first game, that Laker game, and I'm not sure he looked bad in any other game. But it's just like he's been um, he couldn't play as other people have said. He couldn't play on the, on the Lakers last year, and um, they needed someone like him to play, someone like his profile. So. That also made sense to me as well. And but the last one, though, with with Cook, you know, I was going to be surprised either way but for the third point guard because um, I was surprised that Cook, Cook, they cut Cook because of his uh, three-point shooting. You know, he can really shoot the ball. We saw that in Stockton and at last season. And, um, you know, he could he could really shoot the ball. And Delhi can really defend and be the tough-nosed defenser, defender and just have that dog in him, you know. So Brown wants that dog, the defender, and – Monty was trying to provide shooters to Brown. So it kind of it was going to surprise me the way whoever they cut, or maybe they were going to cut both that we people were talking about them cutting both and just running the offense through Fox and Sabonis and Herter and Monk and so forth. And Davion, of course. Um, so, uh, and as far as like uh, what we've seen with this roster, I'll, I'll talk about Paul a little bit. I like, I, I've, uh, I was surprised, you know, that he started. I think, I think everyone was. Um, I'll be able to call it a start surprise that he was starting that preseason game. But, um, you know, um, I get it now. I just wish – well, we have, we have Herter and Barnes can shoot from distance. And um, Fox, uh, hopefully he can. <laughs> hopefully he can distance. We've seen some flashes this, uh, this preseason. So, hopefully he's a good distance shooter now consistently for a while, you know. And then in that case, uh, that's great. I mean, we have three shooters in that case. We have Apollo to beat defender. 
and not need to shoot that much because Sabonis needs to shoot. Those other three guys need to shoot, so or at least to score. Uh, Paul does not really need to, so he can be the Herb Jones on this team and um, defend whoever, whomever. The other guys can get the get the shots up. That could work, yeah. And the Keegan could could feast on lower competition, but he'd have he'd have lesser. He could he could do well in the second unit and uh, kind of grow into the starting role over the course of however many games. Whether that's twenty, forty, whatever, ten, you know, whatever. Um, he could grow into that role. So kind of what I see there. I like uh, Monk's. Uh, I maybe the only one seeing this. I maybe see imagining things because I don't see anyone else saying it. But I like Monk's playmaking. I like how he he's taking a lot of shots, but I like how he kind of you know sets up others and looks for others. Uh, we need that in the second unit. We, I'm not sure if I prefer Davion or Monk as, to, as far as distributing goes. Monk seems more fluid to me. I know that's very general and I don't know. It just seems that way to me. And, he definitely uh, but, has a lob pass. I think that was one thing I that stood out to me. Is mm-hmm. he, he had, I don't know, maybe three really great lob passes to Rashawn. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's something we really need. So I, that's fantastic. Monk to Holmes could be could be great. Like if either one could score, and they could, they could Holmes could set a screen for Monk, and then go from there and see what happens. That could be that could become the new thing in the second unit for sure. That's pretty much all I have for the the roster, though. Um, yeah, no, I I do think Monk will end up surprising a lot of people. I think a lot of people forget how well he played that last year. And with the Hornets too, and and they seem to really be happy with, um, you know, after his previous issues, and then he started showing, um, something, you know, that last year. But I think it was one of those, like with the Lakers, right? Like because you had those issues, prove it deal, kind of like we saw. I'm not anyway comparing his like off the court stuff to to Kevin Porter Jr. But like we just saw him get paid, you know, but there were the clauses in there of the keep proving it deals. And you've even were him and Fox together and, you know, finding the love of the game back together and and things like that. I as long as things, you know, don't fall off the rails, it seems like that 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 pairing could um I mean, we saw it last game can be really good where he said that they just have to look at each other. Like they can just give a look. They don't have to say anything and they know exactly um, what they're going to be doing. So outside of Herder, I think that does give Brown, you know, more options in in how he mixes and matches uh, guys together as well. And when it comes to the end of, you know, how the roster played out, I think we saw Brown, right, get his guys too, right? It was those three guys are his guys. Delhi playing with him for for years in Cleveland. And he's almost like having another coach, whether he plays or not, it's like having another coach we've heard out there on the bench. And then in case of an emergency or blowout, you know, you have almost like an extended, you know, coach out on the court and and someone who fought to get back, right? Like, I think Brown or um, Barnes said today that when he's around Chima, it makes them really kind of recognize how lucky they are and how grateful they are to be in their positions because these guys talk about their struggles or, you know, how how hard they had to work to get to this point or in Delhi's situation to get back to this point after injuries and then playing back in Australia and coming back that it's it gives them another point of view to look at of you know oh wow you know things have been bad but i'm still 
so extremely lucky to be playing the game and in the position I'm in and things like that. And so I do think that we haven't had necessarily those kind of guys, you know, in a while and having that mindset that, that, that can help. And I think just having guys who Brown are comfortable with and know what he wants, how he wants it, um, being able to throw guys out there like that is, is, is a nice luxury. And then to me, it just kind of shows the the synergy between Brown and, and Monty and, and their visions and how they're working together. So yeah, credit to the front office for getting high character guys. You know, I, I love that. Um, all of our who guys can are veterans play. who can, yeah, talented and high character, right? So we have people, most of them are married, you know, it's not a bunch of young cats that are like, you know, looking forward to the outfit picture in the beginning of the games. They're, they're not high profile. Nobody's dating an Instagram model, maybe Malik Monk later on. I don't know what his situation is, but it's like, and then we have Keegan who pretty much acts like a settled down guy in his mid thirties. So it's like, it's beautiful. And I love that we don't have to stress about that and we've talked about it before it's like it's kind of cool that the kings are drama free this summer and i think they will be for the rest of the season right yeah i think their biggest hurdle is is being able to get past adversity on the court and when it comes to wins and losses and mitigating anything more than you know a three four game losing streak not letting it get to seven or eight and things like that i think Yes, nothing off the court, but it'll be on the court. You know, can they come together and figure it out defensively? <laughs> well, and to me, that was that's a lot of what I love about these end of the roster guys. And KZ starting actually is to me part of it is it's it's just Mike Brown putting his money where his mouth is. He says he's a defensive coach. That's what he values. That's what's going to buy you minutes. That's what's going to get you on the floor. That's what's going to keep you on the team. So, you know, and I think all three of those guys pretty obviously have some really um, interesting defensive chops, you know, so that hopefully it 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 kind of uh, bleeds out into everybody else, um, except for Davion already had it. But even if they can just be the spot helpers, I'm super excited to watch that. One last thing. Um on uh on this on this topic i guess it's kind of like it was brought up earlier for me is that um i would like to see if fox and sabonis are staggered which i think they could be because they were for the first half of two games i think um let's see sabonis went out first both times they did it and i'd like to see potentially fox go out first so that when they stagger them fox can come back in with monk and get some time with Monk. You know, I feel like that would be good for, because of their, like, they already have chemistry built in from back when they were in college, you know? So get them more time together in that way. If Monk is not going to start, Fox is certainly going to start. If uh, if they're going to, if Monk is certainly going to be on second unit, then try to stagger them that way. Be one last thing that I would uh, look forward to seeing if they, if they continue with the staggering. Nope. I like it. Okay. How do you guys feel going into the season now that training camp's over? Um, and then, uh, preseasons over now that we have our roster. Um, how do you guys, what's your level of excitement, precaution? Like, how are you guys feeling? Ring the bell, ring the bell. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I'm always excited. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be a fan if I didn't get excited about it. Like, but I, <sighs> And I, I know like last season we did this whole like it feels different thing and stacking days and 
vibes are different and all that kind of stuff. And then it sort of fell apart, you know, 10 games in or whatever. But um, I really do think it's different. I think the vibes are different. I I'm all in, you know, and uh, I mean, from what I've seen so far, I'm already super excited about just watching the new players, even if that's all I get to do. I, I'm going to be hype with that, but I, I think we're going to make the playoffs. I, I feel really optimistic and I love what I've seen so far. And I know there's no crunch time in preseason and, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of things that still need to get answered, but I also think that we could be like a 43, 44 win team and still do really well in the West. I think our health is really good. I think our depth is really good. And I think they're gonna fight like hell and that was what I loved so much about the 39 win team um and was so fun to watch is I never felt like they gave up on any plays so even that would be a win for me is just effort art a bunch of Rashawns on the floor at the same time I feel really good as well um even before the um the preseason I felt really good about this team I just everything made sense and yeah, I was pretty much just going on on common sense and and the Mike Brown sound bites. But sometimes you could just tell that things are changing for the better. Um, I'm not going to put a ceiling on this team. Uh, you know, I think most people say play in at the most or maybe a playoff series and, and just being competitive for me. I actually think they could win a playoff series. Uh, it, it just depends on who they're matched up against. And I think if we have our ducks in a row and by the time February and March comes around and the playbook opens up for everybody and they get deeper and deeper uh, into the system and if everyone's bought in on defense, it's like we're a tough out, I think. You know, and I, I think the one-two punch of De'Aaron and Sabonis is pretty dangerous if everything falls into place. It, we have rim pressure, and then we have perimeter shooting. It's like, pick your poison. This is the first time in a long time where we have a pick-your-poison offense, where it's like, well, if you double-team so-and-so, well, they could just go ahead and pass it to someone else. And it's like, I think we're more dangerous than people realize. Um, and I felt like during... This summer, all the experts, and Vegas included, uh, and, and some of our favorite YouTubers and podcasters, you know, their idea was, oh, you know, 35, 37 wins. And I, I just feel like if you think we're just going to improve by five games, you have zero faith. You're betting against pretty much Mike Brown and you're betting against all the new talent that we have that actually makes sense. Like all the new pieces actually make sense for the first time in a long time. So, yeah, as Meg said, you know, barring health um, and as long as our roster stays bought in on both ends of the floor, I think uh, we're going to be more than fine and we're going to be competitive. And, And after all, there's really only three or four elite, elite teams. And then everybody else is just good. And I think now the Kings are actually good where we're going to be in that good conversation. And even those elite teams, we may steal a a game or two from them. I I think it just makes sense that we're going to be a 500 or better team for sure. I feel good. I mean, it's kind of, I feel definitely feel good. Uh, It's hard to feel not good at this point. You know, Um, we had a, we didn't have the Phoenix Suns training camp. You know, we had the Sacramento Kings training camp, much like well, probably the 25 or six or seven other training camps, which were all pretty positive. Ours was pretty positive, And Mike Brown sounds good. He looks good. He's saying good things. Um, 
everyone's saying good things and we're undefeated in preseason, right? So um, most of those games, I would say the majority of those Habs, I would say, were good. Uh, you know, all of Portland, all the second LA, half, second half of LA, first LA, and Phoenix was kind of questionable. But um, most of those, we look good, you know, and um, I feel good. I kind of want, I don't want to talk about too much about last season, but um, one thing that kind of frustrated me and not to talk too bad about this particular player I'm going to talk bad about, but um, I am going to talk bad about him a little bit, I guess, if you want to say it that way. But like we were five and four and I was thought I was wrong because I didn't predict a, a record that ended in you know, a five and four percentage. And uh, we were five and four and I was like, great, I'm wrong. Awesome. Um, and then we got rebounded by Indiana in a loss by a lot. And then we we're five and five, of course, because we lost. And then uh, Walton, I don't know if it was his idea. I'm not sure if it was. I guess you got to hang it on him, I guess. But he changed the lineup to address our rebounding. And um, what I'm getting at here is that, like, rebounding was never going to be a strength of that team. And um, so we have a strength that, that Monty added to the team through the players, and that's shooting and scoring. And I feel like I just want us – I would feel good if we play to our strengths and try to – become a competent defensive team through Mike Brown and Jordy Fernandez and those guys, you know, and Doug Christie. I'm sure he teaches defense a lot in, in practice and training camp. Become a competent defensive team as best as we can be, but just score the heck out of the ball and just lean into our strengths. And um, I'm looking forward. I, oh, I hope we see that. I hope we see that we don't try to, like, you know, solve something that's not going to be solved, you know, except to be a trade. So, um I hope that we do that this season and just, um, and I, and I, what kind of like what Megan was saying, you know, I, um, I am, I don't need for me for it to be a success to, to see the playoffs kind of need to play in with so many teams tanking, you know, in the, in the, in the West, like four teams pretty much not going to be good. They think I kind of need to see the play in, but um, I don't need to see the playoffs. I just need to see improvement. I need to see a direction, strong, strong effort every night would be great, you know, and just making that push to be good. And yeah, like you said, never giving up, just never give up. That would be, that would just, I'd be, I'd be cheering for that team no matter what. <laughs> yeah. And even in terms of when it comes to defense improvement, like I'm not even asking for top 10, I'm sure Brown has a, maybe a probably completely different standard, but like, yeah, you know, you guys know, I've said this for the first time in 16 years, just be at least average in team defense. And I think you would see a huge improvement when it comes to wins and losses, like just being average. We haven't had anything below, I think it's 22 um, in 16 years. Like that's, and we know that's not going to cut it. And so, yeah, if, if Brown can, which Brown even, he did this with a bad Cleveland team when, when LeBron was gone and he was there only, I think it was only that one year. And Cleveland says they still wish that they did not fire him, but he had a bunch of not stars, if you want to scrubs or whatever, but like he had them in <laughs> under 20. And so like, we haven't even been able to do that with, with more talent. So if he can figure out just to get them um, average, which I have faith that he'll be able to do that. Or as LeBron has said, if you if you're not doing it, you're not gonna like you you won't see your minutes. Um, and, and I do think that he will. I have a hard time envisioning him not 
keeping that kind of standard that it's you're doing this or you're going out. And we saw Terrence Davis say that right in, in preseason. And you saw him kind of teaching on it and that he was like, yeah, I made three different, you know, defensive errors. And so he pulled me. Um, didn't matter what he was doing on offense or anything like that. It was like, no, you're out. And then he he talked to him. He didn't yell at him like it was like, hey, I want you could see his hand movement and gave him the butt tap. And, you know, you didn't see Terrence put his head down or anything like that. It was he even admitted it after the game. Like, I know he believes that I can do this. I know I have to do this. And to me, that was a, a positive experience compared to previous regimes that we've seen here of holding players accountable and players holding themselves accountable and not finger pointing and just saying, they believe I can be better. I know I can be better. This is what I have to do. And so, again, we know it's preseason, but I thought that even that mindset was an improvement from years past that that we've seen yeah i think we're going to be better defensively than people realize considering our personnel um i do believe that the better defensive teams do have a a twitchy a twitchy athletic like absolute stud and um but i was looking at it i was looking at defensive ratings for teams and it's like okay dallas came in seventh last year and it's like who do they really have and i know dorian finney smith is an absolute stud on defense but then after him who else is there as far as who's exceptionally uh, a strong defensive player? I think Luca, um, as far as his basketball IQ, I think he understands passing lanes and, and stuff like that. So I think that's major. Um, Reggie Bullock is above average, but I don't think he's like super all NBA. Correct me if I'm, I'm wrong. And then I think Dwight Powell is their rim protector. And But it's like, yeah, we have Rashawn. Uh, we now have KZ. Uh, we have Chima if he gets minutes. Um, we know that De'Aaron can actually guard uh, players when motivated, and I think he will be this year. Um, and I think Keegan's going to be a plus defender just based on his basketball IQ. He's not necessarily the, the twitchy, super bouncy guy. But he can defend. So I think we're going to be better than people realize. Yeah, it's it's can you do it as a team, right? Like you don't necessarily need to have that defensive player of the year player. Like it, as Fox and other ones have said, if you can move on a string with each other and and play team defense, like you should be able to to handle what are you doing? Because yes, you're you're not going to stop everybody all the time, but when it counts, can you you know not hurt yourself? <laughs> um, yeah, and, which, and my question. Yeah, and even I want to say like these preseason games, I felt like Sabonis was more vocal. I felt even Fox was more vocal when he hasn't been before. It kind of seems like everyone was pointing, talking, yelling to each other, and that was very different um, compared to years past. Yeah, and, and I think people underestimate uh, what team defense can do and players moving on a string, like you said. My question is, and I know not all teams have this, but it'd be nice to have, who is our dream on? Who is going to be that player coach on the defensive end that's going to be calling out the plays? We would want it to be uh, Sabonis, and, and it's probably going to be Rashawn when he's in there, and I don't know if they're ever going to play together. We know Davion... Um, is probably that guy, but it's kind of hard to do being the point of attack. So it's, yeah, we'll see who our anchor is, so to speak. And and that'll be really interesting. I think Dallas is a great, um, maybe not comp, but like a great thing to shoot for because um, a lot of the talking heads I follow before last season 
were like, wow, Dallas made such a big mistake hiring Jason Kidd for his third coaching job. He's not that good. He's blah, 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 blah. And then now they're all saying, well, I was wrong. You know, Jason Kidd instilled strong defense in the Dallas Mavericks and made them a good defensive team, you know, and um, hopefully that can happen in Sacramento with Mike Brown, you know, can do that for our squad and uh, make them a good defensive team. And that'd be great to be like Dallas <laughs> in that regard. So do you guys have any, any last minute additions that, that you want to throw out there? No, Daily has a good it? one. And I just want to say for me, I try in my own life to be as positive as possible build people up. You know, I've been a manager many, many times. I find that like, you know, if you can build people up and identify what they're great at and activate that in them, you have a better team. So I know that's not basketball, but it's been so refreshing to hear Mike Brown's comments about the players, their IQ, their work ethic, Delhi's energy, I just love hearing the positivity that is coming out of the press conferences. And we've also seen the harder, you know, keep them accountable stuff too. But I never feel like it's a negative thing. I feel like it's like, I'm the coach. This is my job to reel these bad habits in, to get people to a place where they are disciplined on the floor without me. And this is how I do it by continually reminding. So I just, especially I think um, the KZ, Chima, Delhi. He just spoke so highly of them and it was so nice because I was so I was just getting really down on Luke's Luke especially would be like, well, they can't do that or they you know, they don't get it or and it it was just kind of like, is it really all their fault? I know it maybe was. I, I'm not saying it wasn't, but still like build up your employees, you know, make them feel good about themselves or they're not going to, they're not going to perform good. So. Yeah. I just want to say as far as the future goes, um, I think Keegan is actually a player that we could actually build around and he'll probably be a major offensive hub for us in about two or three years. Uh, just thinking about how he's growing. Have you ever seen the, uh, the fat guy video where he's watching uh, this meal being made and he's constantly, constantly getting excited as more ingredients are being added. That's what Keegan is to me. So this guy's watching this video where he sees pancake batter going into the pan. He's like, Oh, pancakes. Oh yeah. And then he sees the guy while the pancake batter is still cooking, throw in a sausage patty and then he gets even more excited he goes oh this is fat guy stuff and yeah i'm i'm paraphrasing he said something else but i'm trying to keep it pg for you jill and then he sees the guy throw an egg on top of that and so he's super excited as the video goes on and i feel like that's how i am with keegan it's like in college when i watched him he would make tough shots and he was really physical and so that's like the pancake batter right he could shoot we get that and then the sausage for keegan is like oh my god he plays through contact and he makes tough shots so he drives into the lane gets bumped uh goes off the right leg and hits a, a right-handed like floater type of thing and, and we saw that in summer league and i'm like i didn't see that in college and then um the egg would be it's just he has no nerves his passing is incredible that lob to Rashawn. Uh, it's like, what can't this guy do? And, and so just seeing him grow is extremely exciting. And, you know, again, I don't see a ceiling. 
honestly, other than, yeah, he's not super bouncy. He's not, you know, a Giannis or Jaron Jackson Jr. level athlete, but this kid is special, and and I think we're very lucky to have him. I don't know much else to say about the team uh, that's going to be on the court. I do want to say, for anyone listening, that uh, if you don't have a Twitter account, I don't know, you got to be a sports fan, you have to have a Twitter account these days, I feel like. So get a Twitter account, and um, if they win the first 10 games, you can come celebrate with us. If they lose the first 10 games, you can come commiserate with us on the Cowboy Talk Twitter spaces. We'll be there no matter what, and uh, hosting, and you can talk. Like It's not like anyone more like a couple of couple of people that are that experts in their own mind <laughs> are taking questions one at a time and you know just they can they then put them back down in the, in the audience you can come up and talk and have a conversation with us so feel free to check that out special thanks to meg daly and john for joining me this week be sure to check out their cowbell talk spaces after the game tomorrow and as always go kings <laughs>